to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Today, we will be joined by Andrew Nielsen, Agribusiness Insurance Broker with Colwell Roach Insurance to discuss risk management. Andrew is a third-generation Nova Scotia dairy farmer who understands the challenges facing today's farming industry, including the importance of being educated about insurance. Andrew takes a consultative approach by understanding your business and making recommendations about the types of coverage available and what is and isn't covered should you need to make a claim. Andrew, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Brad. Happy to be here. Excellent. So you're one of the guys I like to talk to a lot on the service industry side for agriculture. You know, with your background in farming and now as an insurance broker with Caldwell Roach, tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, growing up on a dairy farm here in Stewiak and then getting into the insurance business a few years ago. Yeah, uh, so I work on my family's uh, dairy farm here in, in Stuyak. Um, as you mentioned, kind of my whole life, <laughs> I guess, in a roundabout way, like, like, like most farm kids. But, uh, you know, farming really wasn't something that I thought I was going to do full time um, after I got out of school. And uh, I went and did some other things. I went to college for recreation, actually, and and did that uh, in various capacities for close to uh, 10 years. And then just felt a desire to go back to the farm and uh, went back to the farm um, more in a full time role about uh, seven or eight years ago and 10 years ago actually uh, before I'd gone back one of the things that kind of I mean is always going to stick with me I guess is we we had a barn fire and uh, lost our lost our main dairy barn um, lost some cows but uh, you know certainly could have been much worse but it just uh, spoke to me you know in a number of ways made me you know realize how much I was missing the farming uh, missing the egg community, just how they stepped up and supported us, uh, helped us out during that time uh, was really something that that had an impact on me. And so it got me thinking about going back to the farm. Uh, so like I said, I did do that about uh, seven or eight years ago and then never really had a thought of selling insurance, but just through a mutual contact from my my previous career, Caldwell Roach Insurance was looking for a uh, was looking for an agribusiness um, insurance specialist and uh, my name was kind of given to them based on like I say a past connection and their their thought around it was uh, that they could they could teach somebody the insurance things but it's hard to teach uh, farm experience if you, if you don't have it so um, they reached out to me and you know had a had a couple of really good talks with them about uh, what they were looking for and just seemed like a good like a good fit and like I say with our barn fire insurance was something that was um certainly important <laughs> to, to me, um, you know, knowing what we have covered and, and what we didn't and everything else. And just as a way I felt to um, merge my farm experience, but also be able to help out farmers in a way, you know, it just seemed like a, like a good fit. So I've been doing that for just over four years now. Excellent. And one of the things I just want to touch on, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world for our, our listeners, but one of the things I think happens a lot here in Nova Scotia and probably the Maritimes on the service sector is, you know, banks and insurance companies, input supply companies are really good at finding folks like you uh, who grew up in farming or around farming to go out and service the industry. And I, and I do think that means quite a bit 
because you're very right. And I think Caldwell and a lot of other companies see it this way is it's really easy to teach the prescriptive skill of selling something than it is to teach someone farm lingo and, and how to work with farmers. So uh, kudos to them and all the other companies that have taken that approach. So one of the first things I really want to touch on is, you know, the whole idea of farm risk management. And for a lot of our listeners, uh, primarily in the livestock sector, typically we think about this as business risk management in the frame of things like agri-stability, agri-insurance, maybe agri-invest as well. But, you know, that's really just covering your income loss or your margin risk or, or your crop. So let's talk about some other things and specifically in your world, what other risks should farmers be managing on their farm? You know, like you say, I think, I think for a long time that uh, the things you mentioned certainly are the things that, that pop into mind, but um, uh, certainly I think, especially as we look at the world around us in terms of uh, uh, lawsuits, you know, things that are, people are, are being sued for and things like that, it certainly is becoming more and more uh, necessary to make sure that all your risks are covered, whether it be through insurance or through other means. Um, so certainly through the insurance side, what we're looking at is, okay, what are what are the, the potential hazards here? What are the potential exposures? Um, you know, it could be something very simple to start off as a lot of people, uh, some people for sure, um, you know, they start out and they may, maybe they got a piece of land, a few acres, and they want to, you know, start raising a few cows, few pigs, whatever to, to feed themselves, uh, you know, just more as a hobby type of thing, not even taking it to a commercial scale, but you know, they don't, they don't address their insurance. They still just try going with a homeowner's insurance package, uh, which just really is not designed for agricultural risks. So for instance, just a real simple one is that a homeowner's policy is not going to cover a building that's being used for agriculture. So, you know, we have people that, uh, you know, might convert their garage into, into a little barn and, uh, you know, and then something happens and, and their homeowner's policy is going to say, no, that's, that's not going to be covered because it was used for agricultural purposes. And of course you always have, you have the increased exposure. Sometimes people forget that, uh, you know, you're now responsible for those animals. So if you're not uh, doing things like keeping up your fencing or, um, ensuring that, you know, the gate, gates are closed and, and things like that. And an animal gets out on the road, you know, not only are you possibly losing an animal, but, uh, if, you know, cause an accident and you're found um, negligent, uh, you have that exposure as well. Tip of the iceberg, I guess, um, when it comes to, when it comes to that, uh, certainly, you know, just looking at those risks of, you know, what you're changing um, when you, when you get into agriculture, when you get into raising livestock, you're adding more more exposures, more potentials for uh, things to, to go wrong, unfortunately. And yeah, and then let alone, uh, you know, if, if you get into, especially the higher side, you know, covering the animals themselves, covering, um, you know, you have profits, you have things like that, that certainly still can be covered under insurance. So one of the other things that, you know, you say a lot of folks, especially as they're transitioning from, you know, homeowners to folks with small holding farms, we call them, or, or backyard farms, you know, a lot of these folks are actually eventually transitioning into, you know, selling products to friends and neighbors. Maybe they might reach out and start selling at a farmer's market or do a little bit of sales online. How are these folks covering risks and are there additional risks uh, once you start selling product versus just consuming it yourself? Yes, for sure. That's, uh, that's a great point. 
certainly, you know, certainly that is, you know, a very popular thing. Most of the farm markets we work with, uh, farm insurance markets we work with, you know, certainly are, are aware of that. But it is, again, something that we we need to let them know about because you are upping the risk again. Uh, as you said, it's a new, a new exposure now where you're, um, you're offering a product, a service to, to the public um, that, uh, that wasn't there before. Uh, so two ways, I mean, especially if you're, you know, people that might have a, a market stall or something at the end of the driveway, you know, or selling, uh, you know, uh, sides of beef out of their freezer directly, you know, if they're inviting people onto their property, you, you're going to owe them a higher duty of care is the term. So there's a, there's a new risk there as you have more people coming onto the property to conduct business and, and therefore uh, more potential for, for things to, to possibly happen. And then of course, as you mentioned for the farmer's markets, yeah, that's something that again, you're, you're interacting with the public, you're, you're selling uh, product, uh, your exposure is up there. All these farm insurance companies we work with, uh, uh, we can certainly accommodate that. Uh, I know the farmers markets themselves have have an insurance program. The ones that are with farmers markets of Nova Scotia, it's certainly something that that people may be aware of. Or even the fact that you know some people um, may be at a permanent, uh, more permanent farmers market where they're where they're leaving stuff there throughout the week. You know, leaving some property of theirs. Uh, you know, whether it's a cooler or whatever, twenty four seven type of thing. Also having that that covered, uh, you know, making sure that's listed uh, where it is and what it is that that it's covered, in the event that something were to go on wrong because it's uh, a lot of times it's something like that's not listed. It's just not going to be be naturally covered. So, yeah, certainly certainly as folks transition, uh, you know, the more you add on, um, the more touch points uh, we need we need to look at to make sure that uh, that everything is is being covered um, as it should be. One of the discussions I have with a lot of farmers and even friends and family is not necessarily looking at insurance as an annual expense, whether it's a personal expense or one that hits your income statement, but I like to look at insurance as an investment in the future unknown, right? So what I mean by that is, you know, if you're rich enough to self-insure and and you're okay, uh, if something bad happens, but for a lot of us, we're not. So to me, I'm actually making a, an annual investment in, you know, if something were to grow on. So like in your case, uh, your family, unfortunately, experienced a burn fire. You know, if uh, a car accident is another really good example is it's really an investment, although we treat it as an expense. Is that a conversation you have with some of your clients or potential clients? Or is that just some sort of kind of harebrained idea and scheme that I have? No, no, absolutely. I think I think that's a great way to put it. Certainly, each person is different, but uh, I see a lot of folks. You know, it's it's going to depend where where they're at in their life, in their career, what what they're planning to do. But you know, you look at the difference between um, replacement cost or actual cash value coverage, for example. How is the property going to be replaced? Do you have the coverage on it that's going to put back what was there, or are they going to give you a depreciated value for that? So I think that's always an important conversation for me, especially, you know, you talk about an investment, you know, if you have a young, a, a young farmer and, uh, you know, they've got, uh, you know, a fairly new barn or, um, you know, just getting going and they say, well, I don't know about uh, if I just want to take the, the cash payout or, or replace what's going to come back, you know, have, have that in place. Well, that's a, that's a great conversation to have in terms of, as you put in investment, right? Is, is this something you see yourself doing long-term? 
And, you know, if, if something were to happen, we want to make sure that you can, that you can keep doing this and, and grow with you. So it, it certainly is an investment at the end of the day. Yeah. I hope no one ever has to use her, their insurance, but certainly maybe if you're at the end of your career, looking to retire, it doesn't make sense. They're not going to rebuild. They don't have someone lined up to take over. That makes sense. You know, that's, that's the discussions we have of, of where they're at and, and where they see themselves going. But certainly, yeah, I think looking at more than just the yearly expense, as you said, but as, as something that, you know, this is, um, this is, you know, for a lot of people, a livelihood or a very important part of, of what they do. And sort of in order to keep that going, we need to make sure that things are covered correctly and covered how, how they need to have them covered for their situation. You know, that replacement cost versus cash value is, is a really interesting conversation. And my wife and I just bought a, a house about a year and a half ago in late 2019. And I remember talking to one of your colleagues, Matt, about this exact same thing. And he said, well, do you want to insure for the replacement value or the cash value? And it's something that I had never really considered that, you know, in the unfortunate incident that, you know, that we do have a house fire is the cost of rebuilding the house is actually probably far exceeds the the current value of the host and you know for the little bit of extra premium that we pay just to have that peace of mind i it means a lot to to us as a family but if we didn't have an agent or broker that was able to explain that to us we probably would have said well what gets me the lowest premium so how do folks like you work to advise producers and clients on the best available product that best suits their needs knowing that you want to maximize their protection, mitigate as much risk as possible, but also minimize costs to a place that is affordable and doable for them. Certainly that's why, you know, each client is, is unique um, in their, in their circumstance. And uh, you know, why we want to treat each client that way, you know, what works for us might not work for our neighbor, but we want to make sure that they have the options and all the options that they, they have. So when you talk about um, something like a actual cash value versus replacement cost on the farming side of things, you know, we have, we have a program that we can use that can give us the estimated uh, replacement cost of a barn, but whether it be a beef facility, uh, uh, you know, a layer barn, whatever um, we can punch in those details and it can give us a, you know, fairly accurate uh, replacement cost for, for that building. Um, it also comes down to, you know, the, the client as well, you know, sometimes they know exactly what they want. They, they might have a way that they think they can build it better or cheaper um, with the resources they have. So at the end of the day, it is still the client's call. We don't want them to be pressured. No, you have to take this one, but um, it is, it is a really good conversation to have that we want to make sure, um, okay, wh- where are you at in your situation? You know, how do we go about best covering this? Like you said, so, so my role then is to um, gather all that information, you know, where are you at in your career? Where are you at with uh, transition? Where are you at growth wise or whatever? And then go through all the options, you know, what, what do we need to have covered? What would you rebuild? And then be able to put all that in and come back with the options. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, okay, you know, we could have uh, the replacement cost on this, or we could have actual cash value on this, but making sure that that all those options are available and just that the client is aware of the differences, I guess, between the two, 
but also that they're comfortable with with the limits that are on them and and that it works for for their given situation here are upcoming events brought to you by dalhousie university faculty of agriculture dalhousie's faculty of agriculture is educating the next generation of farmers our students learn to solve real-world problems in a friendly, hands-on environment from professors who are leaders in their fields of study. Dow researchers have access to cutting-edge technology, labs, and resources. Whether it's applying genetics to improve livestock, working with producers to engineer more efficient blueberry harvesters, or designing smarter Christmas trees, Dow Agriculture is driving the innovation that makes our farming community stronger. Learn more. Visit dow.ca slash agriculture. The Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Perennia are hosting a Grazing Cattle on Cover Crops webinar on February 16th. Please register at nscattle.ca. The 2022 Nova Scotia Ministers Conference for Agriculture webinar series is occurring February 16th to April 6th. For the agenda and speaker lineup or to register, please visit perennia.ca forward slash agriconference. The Nova Scotia Department of Agriculture's fifth annual beekeeper symposium and Nova Scotia Beekeepers Association annual meeting will occur virtually February 25th and 26th. Pre-registration is required with the registration form available at nsbeekeepers.ca. The Nova Scotia Cattle Producers annual meeting will be held virtually on March 15th. Please register in advance at nscattle.ca. The Nova Scotia Cattle Producers are introducing an on-farm preconditioning pilot project mid-2022 where cattle preconditioning services will be available to members on farm, please visit nscattle.ca forward slash preconditioning for more information. In upcoming feeder sales, regular feeder sales occur every second Tuesday throughout the winter and spring. The next feeder sale is February 17th and March 17th. Please check atlanticstockyards.com for the full schedule. The Balamore Farm Limited Thickness Cells Bowl and Heifer Sale will be held on March 19th for more information. Please visit Ballamore Farm Limited, ltd.com. And the 49th Annual Maritime Beef Testing Society in Brady Stock Sale will happen on April 2nd virtually. Please visit maritimebeeftteststation.ca for additional information. In programs, the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers have two programs available for 2022, the Nova Scotia Genetic Improvement Program and the Nova Scotia Soil Pasture and Forage Management Program. Both programs have an application deadline for both June 30th and November 30th. Additional information can be found at nscattle.ca. There are many programs available in Nova Scotia for 2022, such as the Cattle and Chief Industry Development Program, which has an application deadline of February 28th. For full list of programs and applications and guidelines, please visit novascotia.ca forward slash programs. So one of the other points I'd really like to touch on here is often I think everybody thinks of insurance for protecting things. So, you know, physical assets, things like vehicles, tractors, barns, houses, other equipment. But how can we use insurance products to protect our other business assets, uh, protect our business itself, and protect the owners or the employees from risks and exposure to those risks as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think more and more in the world today, you look at, uh, just the increasing liabilities and lawsuits that that happen for for very different things and like you say you look at I know I need to have my barn or I know I need to have this piece of equipment or or whatever it might be um, but just as important you're not going to be able to sur survive you know most people aren't going to be able to take on all of a sudden the increased cost of of a lawsuit that you know somewhere if someone was hurt or 
or someone sues for, you know, just a variety of reasons. And now they're faced with this, this massive lawsuit. Well, that's also going to be absolutely detrimental to, to your business. So I think that's something that we are seeing uh, more that, you know, there are more exposures, you know, certainly when you're farming or owning any type of business, you have these added exposures that you just don't have as a, as a normal homeowner or just a normal uh, citizen. You know, when you're, when your name is tied into that business, um, you now have the, the exposure of that business as well. So, you know, certainly we want to use the insurance options that we have to, as you say, mitigate that risk to the business owner, uh, their employees, you know, employees are covered um, when they're doing work for their employer. That's why it's important going back to knowing exactly what what is happening? What are the operations that you're doing? You know, what are you doing? Any custom work? Are you doing any selling? As we mentioned, lots of guys are, are diversifying, right? It's, it's, it's the name of the game now. People have to diversify in order to, to grow. But, you know, sometimes those diversification may lead to more exposures, right? If you were just selling beef or you're just raising some, some layers or something like that, and now you're, you're adding another uh, factor, it may not seem like like a big deal, but um, it's it's certainly going to be another exposure. So we want to make sure that we uh, know about it and that we can address it and cover it properly. So one of the things you just brought up there was the increase of custom work. Um, I think that's probably, you know, especially where you're at it, I call it the corridor between Truro and Halifax. There's a lot more of that happening. And we see it a little bit across the province. Just wondering, how the changes in equipment have increased risk over time. So I'm talking about bigger, faster tractors on the road. I'm talking about heavier loads that we're hauling, traveling distances to that custom work, uh, where maybe if you're just doing on your own farm, you're, you're not on the road as much, you're able to travel field to field. How has that really changed the exposure risk for particularly those custom operators? No, you're you're absolutely right. You know, and also just it's kind of like like a car. Uh, you know, you think of the cost of of machinery now and how expensive gear is getting. Um, how much more it costs to repair things, just in terms of uh, parts or you know <laughs> bodywork, whatever it is. Like you say, it's it's kind of mirrored the car uh, market where you know things are getting and much more uh, advanced technologically as well too. So you have, you have that exposure or that, uh, that to deal with as well. So certainly like you say, for custom guys, and even just for the, the standard farmer who's upgrading his gear, like you say, you're, you're on the road a lot more, there's uh, potential for, uh, for things to happen. So it's a great conversation to have, but one we always ask our farm clients, you know, are you doing any custom work? Because, Again, it's not it's not necessarily a no from from the insurance companies we work with. They they understand that it is part of of the farming landscape, um, but it is something that we uh, need to know about so that we can address properly to make sure it's going to be covered properly. But certainly, it is something that you see going up with you know. Sometimes it leads to uh, higher deductibles or just higher higher rates because it is happening more and more. And in the, like say it's the, the for the custom, the the auto side of things is a great comparison where you just see, you know, the more the more claims that uh, insurance companies pay out because of it, then of course uh, the higher their rates are going to go based on that. So with you know the amount of money you have to put out now to uh, to get some of this gear is you know would be unthinkable um, 30, 40 years ago. So uh, it is something that uh, 
we certainly want to discuss with our with our clients and are seeing that uh, you know something that needs to be made aware of and also that we have you know the conversation again around uh, uh, the value on things you know how much is it how much is it being used uh, where is it going as you mentioned the the travel you know are you taking it just down the road or are you taking it uh, you know driving driving to Cape Breton uh, with it or things like that so um, certainly it's a, a growing area uh, for us and, and something that I think is just only going to increase uh, as as the years go on. One of the other things I'd like to touch on just briefly is you know, changing regulations and how they may have affected farm insurance over time. So particularly, I'm thinking about most farms in Nova Scotia are small family operations, often exempt from workers' compensation requirements. One of the other things we see quite a bit now is temporary foreign workers or seasonal ag workers. Are you providing or are there insurance providers that are outside of that WCB that farmers are working with to ensure that their employees are covered, particularly as workers are more exposed to things like bigger, heavier equipment, maybe not as familiar with operating that equipment possible. Yes. So a lot of the companies do have um, an employee coverage uh, that, that can be added on. Depends on the situation and the firm, uh, the insurance company, everything, those, all those factors of honestly, uh, what is going to be the best uh, coverage for them. Um, sometimes we found that the workers' compensation is Given the situation, might be the better the better way for the for the client to go, um, but it is something that that we can look at adding. Uh, one thing is you brought it up; it, it's a good point with temporary foreign workers. A lot of the um, insurance companies that I've spoken with cannot provide the the same employee coverage for the temporary foreign workers as they can for the normal employees because uh, one of the requirements under the insuring agreements is that they're a Canadian citizen. So sometimes that's you know obviously with temporary farm workers, that's, that's not going to be the case. So um, it is a great conversation to have with a client. You say, you know, what, what is your best option here? And the best option, like I say, maybe still workers' compensation board, um, or there may be something we can do um, with the insurance company to make sure that the employees have some coverage if, if something were to happen uh, to protect them and also get them some uh, some coverage, you know, protect protect not only the the, the farmer, but but also, also the employee as farms grow and as well, you know, you have uh, more more people being hired. It's something that, uh, as you said, starts out as a family farm. Uh, you know, maybe it's just one or two people, but as as you grow, you need to bring on bring on more people. So it's going to add that uh, again that additional um, exposure that uh, wasn't wasn't there before, right? When it was just a family farm. So, yeah, great conversation to have, and and just seeing the best way to to cover it for the client. Absolutely. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here. So we've talked a lot about why farmers should be covered, the things that they can be covered for. Maybe can we just talk a little bit about how you as a service provider and a salesperson are able to put together a comprehensive package for producers? Uh, do you have to go to multiple insurance companies as a broker with some of the products, particularly through some of the mutual companies you work with? Are you able to provide the majority of their coverages under a single policy or are you are you piecing multiple policies together to provide the coverage often necessary yeah so good point our, our first goal is to try to put uh, the coverage all with one company and all under one policy if we can this just from a, a even a liability standpoint and just keeping things 
um, simple and, and easy uh, in terms of if something was to happen, you know, you know the respond who the responding company is going to be, you know what the responding policy is going to be. Uh, so certainly that would be our preference is that if we can get one company with either one policy or possibly um, you know a couple of policies, but certainly all with the same provider uh, to be able to cover all the aspects of the operation. Um, that is simplest and, and best way to do it in in my opinion. You're ensuring that you know, if something were to happen, you're going to have multiple companies being called in for, for kind of the same thing. So that, that would be our first goal. But certainly as, as things change, like I say, as we talked about diversification and people taking on more, trying to find uh, more sources of, of income, more sources of ways to get their product out there or whatever it might be, then yeah, we sometimes do need to look at, okay, well, we know we can cover you know, A, B, and C under, under this policy, but we need to make them aware of this and this insurance company can't cover this. Um, so we're gonna to have to find a separate uh, commercial general liability policy or something um, from another provider to, to cover that. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, we have a lot of firms, or I say a lot, but we have, you know, a few that like say in terms of diversification. So, you know, maybe they're running a firm and just, you know, simple vegetables, uh, whatever, but then they, they want to diversify and they're also, going to the farmer's markets, they start a little bakery or something. Well, bakery is not something that's going to be covered under a normal farm policy. And that's just not a, a coverage available um, through that. So, so for someone like that, um, we would need to then cover the exposure of the bakery operation and, and put a commercial general liability policy in, in place for that. And hopefully, and then we've been pretty successful in terms of being able to put that uh, uh, with, with the same market. As you said, you know, the, the companies we work with, Kings Mutual for sure is a company that we work with on a very regular basis, our major farm market. You know, certainly they've been great in growing and adapting over the years, as well as our other farm markets, just in terms of understanding that, that these things are happening. So being able to cover it, like I say, maybe some things aren't going to be covered under a specific farm policy all the time, um, making sure we have all those exposures covered. So you know, it is certainly a thing in terms of our farm insurers of how they're adapting um, with us and with our clients to, to cover the things that are out there now um, and cover the exposures that clients have. So, you know, we want to take, um, you know, all the exposures and all the things that the clients have, we put that together and, and then, like you say, we send it out to, to our markets to see um, which company is going to be able to offer the, the best coverage. You know, it's not always the best price. I mean, I know that is certainly a factor, but to me, it's, you know, there's also the value of it. And there's also making sure that things line up how they need to for the clients. So, so we put all that together, we, we go out to our market and then we can present to the client, you know, what company A, B or C can do. You know, it's been a changing thing, even in the four plus years I've been here in terms of farm insurance markets. Uh, when I believe when I started, I had two or three additional competitive farm insurance markets than, than I do today. Just uh, things with the companies based not in Nova Scotia, based out West, or where things are a bit different in, in Atlantic Canada than they are in, you know, Alberta and Saskatchewan, for sure. So, you know, they've kind of pulled back, scaled back what they can do in, in the Atlantic provinces now. So it has changed things that way, but certainly the ones we we do continue to work with, I think, have a great handle on, on the Atlantic uh, region and, and what's happening here and, and the things that need to be covered. So, yeah, they can put those, 
these packages together for clients that cover these different, you know, diverse, diverse needs. But certainly that's, that's our goal is we, uh, we work closely with our insurance company, whether it's Kings Mutual or, or other farm markets to get that package there. And like, if we can cover everything um, under one banner, that's, that's great. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes we, we need to make sure that we're, we're hitting all, all areas so that uh, we, we can get, uh, you know, the best package in place at the end of the day. Good stuff. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit again here. So one of the other things we hear a lot and uh, we talk about a lot here is farm transition and succession. And, you know, one of the unfortunate parts that we see sometimes is farms aren't transitioned until a death in the family of, of one of the original owners. Can you talk a little bit about some of that estate planning that is available to some of your clients and whether or not there are specific uh, estate planning and insurances uh, more specific to agricultural operators, or is it just a general term life policy? Here's the market report brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits, and poultry all featured. Additional information, such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates, and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. For the weekend of February 11th, 2022, in the local hog market, base price in Nova Scotia was 201 per kilogram, up 9.8 cents. In Quebec, base price was also up 9.8 cents from last week to a price of $1.92 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was 208, an increase of 6.3 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle Atlantic beef products was is $2.83 on the rail, flat for the last five weeks. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.72, moving up nine cents from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $2.89, down one cent from last week. Call cattle Atlantic stockyards sold for 78 cents, downward change of four cents from last week, while rail price at Atlantic beef products was $1.56, up three cents from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged 74 cents, up one cent from the prior week, and 73 cents in Quebec flat for two weeks. Good dairy bob cows between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic stockyards averaged $112, down a dollar, and good dairy beef bob calves averaged $200, down $6 from last week. Meanwhile, calves in Ontario were up 10 cents to a price of $1.62 per pound, and calves in Quebec were $1.41, an increase of six cents per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumberland lamb is $14 per kilogram and mutton sits at $6.50 per kilogram. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs averaged $4.19 per pound at 60 pounds, ranging from 325 to 470. And for 60 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards, they averaged 325 per pound at 73 pounds. In Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs averaged 404 per pound at 72 pounds, ranging from 340 to 440. In Ontario, use average 227 at 152 pounds and range from $1 to 335. Make sure you check your association websites for additional pricing information. Yeah, there are certainly some some folks who specialize uh, certainly in that in the agri side of things. Uh, it's not something that we really offer through our brokerage from from that perspective. But you know, I know I can just speak from personal experience from the from the farming side that you know certainly. Uh, it is something that that we've looked into and we have on on our farm um, you know transition 
and it's something that's you know important here probably something that we are way behind on to, to be honest with you so but certainly looking at at the different options like you said there are there are same things as just as Cobble Roach and you mentioned other service service providers um, have adapted over the years to be specific with their agribusiness and and hiring people with with the agricultural background certainly that is happening on the estates planning side and and the insurance side you know from a from a practical standpoint just from the insurance type of insurance I sell you know I've seen it where you know I would make the suggestion of you know just like all transition planning that you know if you if you're starting that then then make sure you're bringing in that uh, that next generation on on the insurance conversations as well right that they know you know we're in a couple of situations where the son or daughter or whatever takes over the farm and and they were never up to speed on uh what they have for coverage you know they may think they have the as we talked again the replacement costs on the barn but you know dad just didn't have that on anymore you know he was he wasn't concerned about it so you know that's going to be uh can possibly be, be a kind of a bit of a, a rude awakening so in terms of our side, you know, that's how I look to it. You know, if, if I know I'm talking to both generations or something, you know, we want to make sure that that, that everyone is is on board and knows what is happening and knows the, what the process is. Again, maybe the first generations uh, views aren't really line up with the generation that's taking over on terms of uh, how things should be covered. So uh, certainly it's a conversation to have not only with, with us, but as you mentioned, you know, certainly seeking out, in my opinion, someone who has you know, some training and some background on the agricultural side for when it comes to that estate uh, planning that the, whether it be, as you said, the life insurance or uh, just, you know, how are the debt service, things like that, is there insurance in place on those, on the loans, all those uh, are something that need to be considered. And, and certainly I think are, as we said, becoming more prevalent um, from these companies that they know they need to they need to look at these because they're we're dealing with much higher values now and much higher debt loads and and everything else so just kind of in the same stream of, of conversation but maybe even a little more unfortunate is you know if there is a burn fire or a major event that's going to require or at least seek to require your insurance step in and make some sort of compensation what are some of the very key important records that farmers can be keeping or information that they be, can be keeping on an ongoing basis to help make that claim process as simple as possible? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when, you, when you get to the bigger stuff, like the buildings and things like that, those are you know the obvious ones, right? And those are things that we can quickly uh, figure out a replacement cost, you know, with contractors and everything else, you know how big your barn was, you know how you had it built. Those ones are are simple, but... I mean, they're still not fun, but at least these are easier to figure out. But, but yeah, certainly when it comes to, you know, the different items now, that's one thing from the farming size, we talked about equipment with the, with the price of equipment, we try to keep as up to date. And I try to, you know, <laughs> remind my clients as I know what's happened here, you know, you, you buy a new piece of gear and, you know, you, you have a mower or something sitting out in the yard for, for a couple of weeks and you realize, oh, I never called my insurance company. And, uh, you know, so you, you just, you just miss things like that, but, uh, we want to make sure that, that all those different things are covered. So I always suggest to clients, you know, Hey, make sure you're taking a walk through your yard, you know, a couple of times a year, just kind of noting of things. Um, so anything of, I'll say, you know, significant value or decent value usually went over, um, a couple thousand dollars in order for that 
with insurance companies to be covered, um, we need to specifically list it out on a policy. So, you know, my suggestion is to, to a client is, is, you know, you have your insurance policy, you know, we can send you a copy of your policy. It's going to list everything that's currently covered if it's specifically listed there, right? So, you know, take that with you, go through your machinery shed, go through your yard, uh, make sure that uh, it lines up, you know, um, you know, we see it a lot. It's our, the other factor um, kind of in a roundabout way, but jumping off that is, you know, sometimes guys realize, oh, I sold that baler two months ago and I forgot to tell my insurance company. So I've been paying a little bit extra that, that I didn't need to, right? And, you know, you shouldn't be doing that either. So, so certainly, you know, that's a great record to keep. The thing I think that gets missed a lot, you know, you get down to, to the more of the nitty gritty, I guess, you know, the um, the records, you know, if, if you're, if you've got a purebred herd or something, you have records, thankfully, most of, some of that is going online now, but there's still a lot of paper records out there and different things, you know, where are those kept? Are they backed up somewhere, you know, accounting things, um, and then, and then just the, the smaller items, you know, uh, you know, insurance companies aren't going to just, you know, list out, you know, five wrenches and, you know, two drills and things like that. So when you get down to that, that smaller stuff, um, you know, like I say, it's not going to be listed out specifically, but, uh, you know, a lot of farms have a, have a tool floater or something, miscellaneous equipment floater that does provide some coverage for those smaller items. You know, you've got a million things going on in your head when, of course, when, when a claim does happen. So um, having a way to know that, you know, what you had, you know, you, you forget how many, you know, tools you had or, or that they all add up. So one thing that I, I suggest in this day and age is uh, is pictures are great. You know, if pictures are backed up to a to an online server or whatever that uh, you know aren't going anywhere, um, or even just a quick walk uh, through the shop, taking a video um, just to help refresh your refresh your memory is is a great thing. Uh, but yeah, it is certainly a thing that's something that I that I recommend clients. You know, it, you know sometimes it's the bigger gear, sometimes it's the smaller gear, but uh, having to look through the, the deck page is what we call it. The first couple pages of the insurance document before you get to, you know, all the wordings and everything is going to list um, right now what is covered. So having that conversation with your broker as well of, okay, kind of what you see is, is what you get there when it comes to a deck page. A lot of the time, you know, making sure you know exactly what is on that, that deck page, what is, what is being covered in your, itemizing your things as well and, and comparing that, that, well, you know, oh, I'm missing that piece of gear or um, I do know I have a lot of to uh, tools in that, in that shop or whatever. And, and uh, you know, would like some coverage for that in the event of something happens. Yeah. And just as I said, as, as things get more expensive as well with and things change, there's, there's lots more little things, you know, computer equipment or things like that, that, that wouldn't have been thought about um, years ago that is now you know an essential part of running some some operations right so my suggestion is just having that that conversation having that walk through and uh, trying to use like say whether it's a resource of online or videos or whatever um, to, to have a good picture of uh, what you would need to be operational again it's interesting you bring up the pictures and video bit uh, just a, a little story here I had an uncle who in probably 1999, 2000, kind of that time period, went out and bought a, one of the first digital video cameras and started doing these types of videos for homeowners where he'd do a walkthrough in a scan of each room for insurance purposes. And we all thought he was relatively crazy before he started doing this and then after, but it actually proved to be really valuable to a homeowner who had a fire 
because you're right you don't think of things like toasters microwaves small things jewelry boxes stuff like that jewelry itself so i can imagine you know you get into some of these bigger workshops especially on some of the dairy farms where there's six or seven drills and a bunch of wrench sets and grease guns and all these things that you know you don't really think about them but that proved to be very valuable and Really, at the end of the year, when you're doing your year-end statement, what a great time to go through and take a little bit of video of your shop and maybe your herd and stuff like that. So that that's really good and, and kind of innovative as well. So one of the last things I want to touch about here uh, real quickly, uh, we work with a lot of agricultural organizations here in the office, about 14 or 15 of them. Uh, obviously, a little bit different risk exposure and, and types of activities for the types of things we do. Can you talk a little bit about your ability and how you work with organizations uh, like ACMA and other farm organizations to ensure that their risks are covered as an industry organization in the work that they do, whether it's workshops or decision-making on behalf of the industry? How does that all work? Yeah, sure. So, so like you say, I think it's something that uh, sometimes gets, gets, gets forgotten about these different organizations. Um, yeah, from 4-H all the way on up, right? They're interacting with the public. They're, as you say, hosting workshops or whatever it might be, hosting an event. So you, they have that exposure where, you, where you, they may need, they need coverage there. So we want to work with them and make sure they have uh, those things covered. You know, anytime you're offering advice or uh, you know professional advice uh, to to someone, you have that ex- exposure as well. You know, if they follow your 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 leading and and then something happens, you know. They're going to come back to you. So, well, you you're the expert. You told me to do this. So, you know, we work with the organization as well to make sure that that uh, all that is covered from a directors and officers standpoint, from a from legal liability standpoint, in terms of, you know, their their coverage around around their business operations, around uh, their meetings, in terms of as I said, the directors and officers, the leadership, um, how decisions are made. You know that. All those are are covered. Uh, even the simple things of, of running meetings and stuff. You have you have liability exposures there if people are driving to and from meetings. You you have exposures there that that people don't uh, normally think about. And I mean, not that we want anything ever to happen. We hope it never does. And you know, a lot of the times, kind of jumping off that. You know, I think in Atlantic Canada, I think thankfully, you know, most people are still you know, friendly people and, and, uh, you know, take responsibility for their things, but, you know, we are seeing more and more. Um, you just don't know when, unfortunately, a lawsuit might come up or something might come up. So, yes, yeah, so we want to work with, like we say, with these organizations like yours and, and others that, that we know that they're covered for what they're doing, um, but also we can kind of guide them through things that they might see come from their clients, right? You know, that if, if we can provide some um, some support to these organizations so that, you know, when they they have farmers, producers, whatever that they deal with, who might have some of these, these questions related to insurance or related to, uh, to their operations, you know, we can at a high level, give it, give some of this information to, to the organization so they can, they can then better direct their clientele and, and the producers that they work with of the challenges they might see or, or the things that might want to look into and the different options available for them. So, in my role, especially, I want to look at as you know, from my farming background, that the, that the farmers' needs, that the producers' needs, are are looked at, uh, at first and foremost. So, how how does that best work? And that's certainly a synergy of you know, lots of different people. Um, like you said, as we mentioned in the in the service industry, so trying to work work through all of that that whether it's us, whether it's uh, organizations like yourself, uh, whether it's financial institutions. 
there's a bit of cohesion there to make sure that that overall all those points are being met in the best way possible for the producer. So just getting ready to wrap up real quickly here. So one of the things that I would like folks uh, from my point of view to to make sure they remember about insurance is the point that I brought up earlier is treating it as an investment and not as an expense because if something does go wrong, you know that you have the security uh, and the financial ability of that insurance plan behind your insurance product behind you. If you could give one take home message from our discussion today, what would that be? Yeah, I think I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, you know, I think people look at it as a necessary evil sometimes, but you know, as you said, as you look at this as an investment in terms of of a long term stability, long term security. You know, let's make sure that uh, you know coverage you have, what is covered or what isn't covered, and and that it's really you know, meeting all, all your needs. That would be the, the main thing that I would say, you know, as you said, piggybacking off that investment thing is let's make sure that when we um, sit down and go through this, that, you know, it works for you, but that your firm is unique to you. So let's make sure that we have that firm uniquely um, looked after in the best way for you and for your long-term, short-term and, and overall business goals. Excellent, Andrew. If our listeners want to learn more about you or Caldwell Roach and some of the insurers that you work with, how do they do that? Yeah, uh, so certainly you can get a hold of me. We work for Caldwell Roach. We have we have a few offices uh, uh, located out throughout uh, Central Nova Scotia. My email is a Nielsen at CaldwellRoach.com, or they can call me at the office at 902-883-1550, and I'm at extension 515. Excellent, Andrew. As always, it's great talking to you and, and folks that you work with. So appreciate your time today and look forward to speaking again here in the future. All right. Thanks a lot, Brad. Have a good one. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime Agcast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes. <laughs>